Three, two, one. Welcome, Kendall. Um, it has been, what do we figure, three years since we talked? Yeah, about that. Um, and now you're full-time journalist. Uh, super cool seeing that stuff. Um, I just kind of want to pick up where it left off. You were working with me, the government. And like you said before we turn this on, um, it just got to be too much of a workload to have a side job or whatever. So when you left working and went into full-time, what was the course then that you took after that? Yeah, so... Um, I left the ESC because the hours of my schooling, the way it worked out, it was basically eight to four, Monday to Friday, and then there was labs and uh, so much homework and so much reading. Uh, And I wanted to have a a social life as well. Uh, So I kept serving in the evenings. But uh, basically, as soon as I left the ESC, I went into two intense years at the University of Regina Journalism School program. And so I hammered out I think it was two semesters and then we got a really neat opportunity to do paid internships and so you kind of you interviewed for each of them and chose where you wanted to go and if the bosses liked you they would pick you and it was kind of coordinated that way so I really wanted to go to the Saskatoon Star Phoenix Um, I always wanted to be a newspaper writer reporter and and I also wanted to go work at the Bangkok Post. That was another opportunity. So um, I interviewed for both of them, ended up getting both of them. So I think it was in, oh, when was it? April 2015, I went up and joined the paper and I worked with them for about four months and a little bit. And then I flew to Bangkok and worked at the Bangkok Post. Uh, writing kind of arts features and shooting photographs for their life section and so I was there for I worked with the paper there for three months and then I I went a bit early and I stayed a bit late to do some backpacking so I traveled around um, uh, Thailand, uh, Laos, Cambodia and ended the trip in Burma before coming back and finishing up my last semester of journalism school Um, and so at the end of that semester, we I had shot a documentary uh, for it, and when we showed them, they had invited local producers and bosses who were working in the journalism community in Regina to come in and kind of give us feedback and criticisms and tell us everything that we did wrong and, and everything that we did right. Um, and so after we screened our documentary, um, one of the employees who was with CBC, he's no longer there, but he kind of offered me a job, and so... I started at CBC Saskatchewan not long after that. Yeah, because I remember seeing, or at least the ladies at work were like, hey, Kendall was on the news this morning. It was pretty cool. Um, is like when you said that you all applied for like Saskatoon and all these places, is there like a lot of people that apply? Or like who has the pick? Like do you guys have the pick of where you want to go? Or is there like a huge pool of people and the paper kind of has to wade through a lot? Uh, so it it was the only competition was within the school itself and I can't remember the exact number of people that were in my class but the, it was quite small like I think that the school only takes a maximum of 26 people so and there was less than that I think there was probably like 14 or 15 people uh, that were in my year so that was kind of the competition I was up against and then because there was a big selection, uh, not just newspapers either, there was radio and television opportunities. So um, each of us could kind of choose which one we wanted to apply for. And so we would, you know, it was like applying for a job, submit a resume, uh, I think, I don't know, I can't remember if we submitted portfolios or not. 
uh, and then sit down and do an interview with the bosses. And then so each um, each boss or producer from each news outlet would then sit down and think about who they liked and then try and work that out with the professor at the journalism school who is coordinating it all. That's super cool. Um, how, is it like two years of a different, like what years of the education are the journalism school itself? Because I remember like when I went to U of R back, in the stone ages um it was still only 20 some spots Mm -hmm. and so it sounds like that has never really changed so Mm -hmm. there's must be a giant bottleneck like how many kids are coming like how many years do you have to take like just like arts or something else and then work your way in yeah so there's two um different options i think in one you can go into the program if you have another degree in say history or political science or something like that and the other one you can do what's called the pre-journalism program and so basically it's just a wide range of general classes that they tell you to take or that you have to fill and meet certain requirements uh that's what I did uh and I started I kind of I took a bit of a break before heading into university and so I started uh, in the January semester, so I ended up taking three years of pre-journalism classes prior to going into the program. Yeah, and even from my experience, like, I don't know, I was never a fan of the full five course load. I felt there was no life in there, and I kind of worked my way down to, like, four and then whatever on top of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Are there a ton of, like, I'm assuming there's lots that come and do pre-journalism, and then it's, like... Like, what's the cutoff, like, grades and just... Yeah, they're, um, I'm not sure what the exact numbers are for the competition. The school has always touted itself as being super competitive, and I do know of people that unfortunately did get rejected from the program. Uh, not to say that they couldn't try again next year, but to get into the school, it's based on grades. Um, you have to submit a portfolio. Uh, you have to go in and do an interview, uh, I think, with two or three of the professors, and you have to go in and do kind of a written and practical test. So uh, it's not just a ap- piece of paper application. It's kind of a, a bit of a rigorous process to get into the school. But then it also feels good when you move forward within that yeah. too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what were you writing about when you were in Saskatoon? Is it like where they show on TV in the movies where somebody comes in and they're like, this is your story, go chase that lead? <laughs> like they always make it look so hokey on TV yeah. and stuff. It's like... Here, Spider-Man, go. Oh, take it's pretty hokey. And... Um, no, yeah, I was doing. Uh, I was general assignment reporting. So, when I first started off, I was what we call like green. I was a total newbie aside from like whatever I had written for the school paper for myself or tried to write for whatever um, it was. Like and the Carillon. Yeah, yeah. I, Does that still exist? It still exists. Um, I was never a staffer or anything, but I wrote a few articles here and there for them. Um, looking don't look them up they're probably <laughs> terrible um wouldn't recommend it i've learned a lot since then but uh yeah so i would go in there and every morning the kind of news editorial team they have a meeting and they check out what are the top stories what's happening what could be happening and then they kind of look at what reporters do they have on the shift and yeah so usually it would be for the first while, at least, I would get handed an assignment saying, you know, this is something that's happening. But then it would be up to you. You got to find your sources. You got to get to where the action is. You have to, you know, do the research and obviously do the interviews. So they kind of give you like a starting point and say, like, we want something out of this. Um, so you either come back with that or you come back with something better. 
um, not meeting the deadline is not really an option. Um, but then as time went on, I would, you know, you learn how to find your own stories and pitch your own stories. Uh, you get more comfortable to work on like feature stories or do something a bit different that's not just in the kind of daily news cycle, which is great, but it's fun to kind of do other things as well. I guess, yeah, it's better than just getting the there was a cat stuck in the tree story day after day after day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And we, you know, newspapers tend to stray or stay away from the cat in the tree stories <laughs> more so than uh, television. Uh, th I'm totally joking, by the way. But yeah, I, I never had to do a story about a cat in the tree. Um, perhaps regrettably, I don't know. It could have been fun. There's room for a lot of puns there. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, and you said you went away where after that Thailand yes um, so I got a neat opportunity to work with the Bangkok Post which is I think it's the biggest English newspaper that kind of serves that entire region so beyond Bangkok for into Thailand and um, when I was in Cambodia and Laos I saw it there as well uh, so it's a daily uh, newspaper but I was working in kind of the life section so it was kind of like arts, food, lifestyle, music, uh, you name it, they had this huge section and um, it was less daily news, more long features. So the stories were, I don't know, like 1200 words, 800 words, rather than being like 300 to 400 and more room for illustration and more color in the writing. So that was a really neat opportunity, um, not to mention the uh, unique challenges of learning how to navigate work and uh, being a journalist in a foreign country. Is English that prevalent there now? Um, it, yeah, in Bangkok and uh, Thailand, English is everywhere, especially because there's so many um, foreigners that are working in Bangkok. It's a huge business center and uh, English is one of the major languages that people use to trade. And so most people there uh, speak more than one language and usually English is one of them so it wasn't so hard to navigate like the working life uh, as an English speaker and there was always people you could get to help translate which was an interesting experience in itself you know asking somebody a question and then trying to explain what you want to get and then that person explaining it to another person and then so you're watching that person trying to get like their facial expression and their reaction and how they respond and what they're saying and then you are watching how the translator reacts as they're accepting that and then they're telling you and so you're trying to match like everything that's going on and essentially having a conversation with a person through someone else it's that in itself was a, a really neat uh, experience. I found the language to be more challenging just out like on the street, you know, trying to navigate uh, transportation or get food. But I did try and learn a bit of Thai while I was there, like for sure. Uh, greetings and how are you and things with food. Um, I'm a vegetarian, so learning how to say like, does this have meat in it? Um, because sometimes you just can't tell. That was really helpful uh, <laughs> and difficult. And um, it's a tonal language, so I never like I know a bit of French, but I never spoken anything like a tonal language where you could say the word ma five different ways, like with different inflections in your voice, and it would mean like different emphasis on five the syllables different things. And... Yeah. Wow. So it was just it was kind of mind blowing, and um, I was just always amazed by. Sounds other like languages. a lot of room for error, though, too. Like so much room for error, especially when you're learning, and you kind of see like the pity in their eyes <laughs> as you say something that's just so wrong. But 
uh, if you have a humorous nature to you, it, it makes everything easier. Has North American culture kind of invaded there too? or? Uh, it's hard to say. Like they're, The Thai culture is very rich. Um, I don't think that will ever go away, but um, there are a lot of you know, foreign tourists that are there. Like, it's a huge hub for tourism. So there's so many uh, foreign nationals, like Canadians, Americans, uh, Australians, like everywhere there. So you can see it blending, but the Thai culture is just so rich. I don't see it being, like, overtaken by anything. Um, Is that the reason that you chose that as a place to go? Yeah, I um I was fascinated by the culture. I'd always wanted to go there and I love to travel. So the chance to do an inter- like do something Make for it my part schooling. Of work, yeah. yeah, exactly. Get work experience while being overseas uh, and writing. It just seemed like a an absolute dream. Um and I had wanted to do that before I'd even got accepted into the journalism program because I knew that was something that had been offered. So I kind of set my sights on it quite early and then just like did everything I could to get it and when it happened it was just like a, a dream come true as cheesy as that sounds yeah no I and um are there many others that try to reach that far like uh, or do most keep it close like either Canada North America stuff like that yeah well it's kind of interesting because we're not limited but the school kind of chooses which outlets we can choose from so like, I can't say for sure if someone tried to set up something, how that would work. But I know that um, in my class, at least, no one was trying to set up anything unique overseas somewhere else. Um, and the Bangkok Post one, I didn't set that up. That was just an opportunity that it, it existed. It had been in partnership with the school for a long time. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any other new countries that are kind of like on your list now? Like you had mentioned Australia, like there's Europe, there's everywhere. Like, yeah. Um, oh God, I want to go everywhere. Um, I've, I'm lucky that I've been able to travel to some pretty neat places already. Um, I've been through some parts of Europe, uh, and I've been through, uh, two countries in West Africa. Um, but oh, there's just so much more in the world to see. Like, I, I'm not even lying when I say I want to go everywhere. And I haven't even seen, like, close to even half of Canada. And, it, it, you know, there's just so much uh, to see and do here. So everything, every place is on my list. And hopefully I can get there. <laughs> and where did you say you're heading off to? Yukon right away? Yellowknife. Yeah. Oh, Yellowknife. Yeah. yeah, I'm heading up to Yellowknife on a bit of a reporter swap. So I'll head up there for about a month and they'll send someone down here. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. Everyone, Everyone's kind of bugging me and saying, well, it's going to be really cold and dark and well, yes, it will be cold and dark, but I, I love meeting new people and seeing new places, and I'm super into photography, so really looking forward to checking out the landscapes and the lights, obviously, get that um, photo that everyone seems to come back with of the northern lights up in the sky. <laughs> and a perfect glacier yeah. off to the side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ice road in the distance kind of thing, so... Is work pretty accommodating with you going to other places, or...? Uh, this was something that was set up. I have never traveled for the CBC before. Um, I've taken breaks from the CBC to go do independent traveling. Um, but 
I'm not really sure how it worked. I know that they were kind of chatting and they had wanted to get one of the Northern reporters down here to do some training. And so they, I know that they were putting out the feelers and asking people who would be interested in heading up north. And I kind of let um, one of my colleagues know that I would absolutely be interested if the opportunity came up. So it just um, was just kind of like falling dominoes how it all worked out. That's awesome. Um, was it a pretty, like... You say there's only 20, what was it, 26, 27. Is it pretty easy to fall into something right after that? or? Uh, the It's hard to say. I know that the, like the nature of the journalism industry is changing. It was obviously um, a lot easier to get jobs back in, say, 60s, 70s, 80s, when, you know, news was kind of... It was exploding, uh, and there was no such thing as the internet <laughs> that um, kind of came about. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a lot harder, uh, speaking as a young journalist, to get into it just because there are so few jobs out there right now, and there's also less demand for it. You see people not... Well, I'm not... I can't speak to everyone, but I don't know. I feel like people are tending to just consume news that they that might pop up on their Facebook feed, for example, rather than, you know, people used to have, like, they were dedicated, they would sit down at six every night and watch a certain news channel, or they would get up every morning and read the newspaper. That doesn't, um, that model is Yeah, like the morning newspaper away. seems to be like a dead notion, like get up, have my toast, read the morning news and start my day. Yeah, like who aware. does that anymore? It's more so people are waking up, their phone is their alarm clock, they pick it up, they scroll through their feeds, uh, they see what, check in with the world um, in the way that makes sense for them, right? So, I don't know, I think that there's been... There's been a lot of cuts in the industry, too, just as people aren't paying for journalism anymore. I mean, you don't have to. You can get everything for free uh, on the web, uh, and you know, as much as you put up paywalls and everything. It's not enough. People aren't advertising in newspapers anymore, and that was like a huge, huge source of revenue. So there's been a lot of cuts, uh, a lot of uncertainty about the future. So I would say that there are less jobs available now and um, probably more, you know, young journalists coming out because there are still, you know, roughly like the same amount of people going to school for it. People want, you know, starting out on their own, wanting to get into it. Uh, but there's less jobs available. So I think that it's a bit more tricky to get jobs. But not to say, like, I think that most of my classmates are employed in some sort of thing in journalism, whether it's, you know, reporting or communications or doing kind of some sort of related thing like that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the internet. Um, do you find that makes it harder to do your job when somebody can pretty much, like, create a statistic throw it out there it hits their hundred friends feeds and it's it's out there then and then it there's no validation of it at all and like i've just noticed that too it's like someone spits out a statistic it causes a rage over a lie and it's yeah. just i think that um in the rise of the fake news era as um it's been called yeah it's really interesting the internet makes it tough but i feel like 
in a way, it almost gives more opportunity for journalists because we're fact checkers. And uh, especially if you look to outlets like the New York Times, like they hop on those super big rumors and kind of fake stats that get spread and they do fact checking pieces. The Washington Post is also really good at that. And it's kind of like, here's what people think is happening and here's how it actually is. So it kind of, in a weird way, can open up opportunities to like, show why it's important to have journalism and why it's important to have people that can research and fact check. Um, is it frustrating to see people just blindly or, you know, maybe naively accepting random tidbits of information because their buddy shared it? Yeah, probably because, you know, it's just, I wish that they would lean towards more incredible sources that you know, are held to ethical standards and practices and kind of have to go about uh, work in a certain way. Uh, so yeah, it is kind of tough or, you know, was, you see like, if you see a family member kind of hopping onto that or something and you just kind of want to message everyone you see doing it and saying, like, hey, I noticed <laughs> that you shared this thing. Or, I noticed that you liked it, but... Let's not, not listen to Uncle yeah. Jerry anymore. He kind of <laughs> flies off the handle once in a while. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's it's frustrating. Um, one other thing I'd add about the internet, not about how people are using it, but it's actually changed the scope of the journalism industry. So, because everything is online now, you see newspapers and they're having to do audio and they're out trying to shoot video stories because people want to see video content it's a lot easier uh, to digest and we're moving towards a more like photo video based kind of way of consuming things uh, but at the same time that being said places like uh, the CBC or CTV or global you know they're writing web stories now mm -hmm. that are going out there and taking photos whereas before it was just you know radio or it was just TV so now all outlets in order to kind of remain relevant and to get the really great stories that they're doing out there there have everyone has to do everything now so it's really interesting to be in it at this time as people kind of figure it out and it's been happening for like 10 years now of, but it's taken a long time for everyone to kind of learn how to do everything I think that it's easier for someone like me coming in because when I was in school we were learning how to do everything because you know it was already happening that's the way but if you think about someone who you know has been in the industry for say 25 years and they went to a broadcast school and that was all they knew how to do and then all of a sudden they have to write a web story and write so in, you like, were faceted print. in everything you didn't have to sit down and be like i want to be a news anchor i want to write for the paper yeah there was room to specialize but the in the beginning kind of the base you would take everything so you take like a intro to print intro to broadcast um you everyone would learn how to edit everyone would learn how to write and then you could specialize and so I was really fascinated by the print world, so I took like advanced print writing, which would be for, you know, focused on newspapers or magazines, and then I took a magazine feature writing course. So, you know, I could have also instead took a advanced broadcasting course where you'd really learn how to like anchor and present and things like that. So everyone kind of got a base knowledge and then you could specialize in the end. Uh, but there, you know, you could have done everything if you wanted to. That's awesome. Um, how long do you think printed papers will be going on for? Forever. <laughs> I'm not going to give up on them. Um, no, but like, I know like I know. there's the Leader Post website, but yeah. how much longer will there be a kid coming to your house at 5 a.m. 
to make sure that's there like it's hard to say um i'm not i'll probably i'll be one of the last people fighting uh for them because i I just there's something that you can't beat by holding a newspaper in your hands flipping the pages feeling you know feeling it it you just can't replace that and i i'm kind of weird in a way i find that i digest things better when i'm reading them like a hard copy like a book or a newspaper rather than you know on a tiny illuminated screen does it feel more professional uh not professional it just feels better i don't know it just feels right i think um but that's just my personal preference but i and i think i'm nostalgic for when i was young and dreaming of being a newspaper reporter and wanting to not see that go away um but i don't know it's hard to say like the leader post they already are printing their newspapers at the saskatoon printing plant um i don't know was that one or two years ago when that switch happened but yeah they had to shut down stop printing here um so that's already kind of a a scary sign right when and it's like you said like people are opening their feeds and it's what google and facebook are telling them out of the bat and then it's like they won't touch a newspaper so i'm just kind of curious i'm assuming there's like this line in the sand that it's like whatever generation is let's say the boomers Mm -hmm. and as the boomers are going away that's i feel like printed press is going away yeah and i think that um it'll probably be when the advertisements stop coming in because like the classifieds and ads the obits you know like as crazy as it is to say that's really what kept newspapers running because that's where all the funding was coming from you know a subscription to a paper it sure it costs a bit of money but that's not what's funding it um so i think yeah as time goes on and the upcoming generation doesn't want or care or know about a hard copy newspaper and uh, the ads decline more than they they do. I think that, oh, I'm not going to say we'll see the demise of them, but it could it could happen. No, but- I don't know when it will, um, but there are some things that have been trending toward that, but it's hard to say. Who knows? There could be a complete resurgence in the coming years, so... Do you ever look to being like a long term, like a foreign correspondent or something? And yeah, that was always um, something that I was super interested in. Probably just because I, I've got a travel bug. I love to travel. I love to tell stories. So the idea of being able to do that and connect with people around the globe uh, has always been super attractive to me. I I'm not sure how much opportunities exist right now in terms of. Um, you know, a standard sense of an outlet offering that, but there are definitely opportunities that you can make for yourself out there. So I think I would think and still want to think about pursuing that. I don't think it'll happen in the next year. I'd like to, you know, hammer out a bit more work here before taking off and uh, maybe get a few things settled. But yeah, that's definitely always been one of the long-term ideas and goals. Is it a pretty cutthroat business or does everyone kind of get along like or are there just those like in every job where there's those people that are very career driven and then there's others that just kind of stay the course? Yeah, I I find that uh, journalists are an interesting breed. Um, We I can't speak for everyone, but I find that most people are pretty good natured because we're all super curious and we all like uh forming connections with other people or at least i do that's the way i 
approach journalism. Uh, it is a competitive industry. There's no doubt about that. But you you wouldn't really get anywhere by cutting down someone else. You just have to make yourself better. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. not. Yeah, really... I kind of meant more also like the sensationalist end of it. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure everyone comes in with integrity and I mm-hmm. want to write a great story and things like that. And then when you turn on the TV, it's like through the time it's been like Geraldo, Jerry Springer. It's the, those are the people that are getting the eyes and then sources in the States like Fox news and like, yeah, they have, they're the last people that should have the word news attached to what they're <laughs> doing. And it's just like, I didn't, I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if like succeeding would be a priority for some people. Oh, uh, I, I think that any, any journalist that wants to have success in journalism wouldn't go towards something that's sensationalizing or making things up or embellishing or not being truthful. I think that maybe that would be a person who is looking for success in terms of fame or attention or something like that. Um, I think once you cross the line and are no longer being truthful and honest, I don't really think that you should even call yourself a journalist anymore because that's... You know, that's what it's all about is, you know, getting to the truth of things and, um, you know, being honest and holding people to accountable. If you're not doing that anymore, then you should probably remove that label from yourself. Yeah. Like what was that one publication in Britain where they were started hacking people's cell phones to get stories first? Like there's seems like so many like horrible ethical decisions being made but then they're the ones that get the subscribers yeah yeah it's interesting you know and it's we're kind of lucky here we can watch that happening from afar right now (laughs) in saskatchewan uh the industry is pretty pretty tame compared to what's going on say south of the border um so it's it's very curious to watch i don't know if that's the reality for us here in canada right now um and I really can't see a news outlet getting away with, you know, hacking into someone's phone um, just to get subscribers. I just don't think that would fly. Like the the backlash would be huge, or at least I would hope that it would be. And I still have some faith that it would be here. Right on. Um, so you, for the short term, though, you're doing this. How many months did you say you were going away for? Uh, so this is a short trip. I'm just heading away for a month. And oh, it is just one back. month yeah. that you're trading. Yeah. Um, and then when you come back, what do you want to be looking to do right away then? Uh, so I'll be coming back to CBC Saskatchewan. Um, and I'm there on a contract until the end of the summer. And then uh, we'll see what happens after that. I'm not really, I haven't been thinking that far ahead. I've just been kind of so focused and busy thinking about what's happening right now but yeah i'm not sure what will happen we'll see at the end of the day with all the hard work that you put in how cool is it to see your dame with at cbc for a way to because <laughs> i was like oh crap i keep meaning to follow up with you about sitting down and chatting and then it's yeah. like it's kendall at cbc <laughs> oh, I, I feel like i'm just i'm still kendall like it's really cool to uh be able to work uh with something that i love like journalism is my passion um and it's what i'm all about so it's really really cool to be able to have a job that i love uh you know i'm not the person that's walking or driving to work and grumbling and you know thinking like how did i get myself into this what am i doing i'm um i'm really just grateful for the opportunity to be able to to tell stories, to write, uh, to meet new people, and to learn new things every single day. Uh, It's quite amazing. So I don't really 
Like, I think that working for the CBC is really cool. Um, I love working for a public broadcaster, but I've really loved working everywhere I have. Um, I'm so grateful for my experiences uh, with the newspapers. Both of those were really cool um, and, yeah, provided great learning opportunities. Uh, so I think that it's more the, it's more cool to me that I'm doing journalism um, and I'm I'm really happy to be where I'm at. Really feel lucky to be. There's a lot of brilliant minds working at CBC, so it's really cool to be able to collaborate um, and learn from the people that are there. Uh, yeah, I just feel like I'm in a really good place right now. It sounds like they're very open to letting you. Like you said, you went and did some stuff on your own, and yeah. they just welcome you right back. And yeah, well, you know, I I have to apply for the job still, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think that with most um, journalists and most outlets, or at least the ones I've been, they want to see you grow as a person. They want to see you develop um, your abilities. So if that means that, you know, you're going to take a break or a leave, or you're going to stop being a contract employee for a while, and you're going to go and do something like shoot a documentary or work on a, a feature of some sort, I think that they would, yeah, always be supportive of that because it's just, it's almost like professional development in a way. And, um, you know, they want to, they want to see that happen and, uh, they want to be supportive of you in your life and not stop you from doing what you want to do. Um, so yeah, it's a, I'm, I'm lucky. My bosses are really cool. <laughs> nice. Do you get the itch to make films? Oh yeah. All the time. Um, I, you know, that's something I need to learn more about. I think I, I had mentioned that I'd shot a documentary um, in journalism school, and that actually we submitted to the Yorkton Film Festival, and it was nominated in two categories, up against some really great um, films. Uh, so that was really neat. And then I had mentioned that I took some time off. Um, it was last last year from CBC. I was working as a casual at the time, and I took a couple months off and went and shot another doc in West Africa. Um, and that I was able to do through like a grant scholarship thing that I had applied for and gotten from the University of Regina Journalism School program. So with that funding and that time off, I went and worked on a documentary, shot it uh, in West Africa. And so I'm, I'm still, it's taken a while because I went back to work full time immediately as soon as I got back and, you know, I'm doing all these other things too with my life. So it's been a very slow process, but uh, I'm in the editing stages now and I'm hoping to have it wrapped up soon. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say a date just in case I don't make it. <laughs> But you're all about deadlines. So. I, I, you know, it, that's the funny thing. Uh, usually I'm so good, so I, I'm always getting... I get a little red in the face when I tell people just how long this has taken me, but it'll be worth it, I hope. Would you call it like a passion project type thing? or? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't want to... I, I can't reveal anything. Uh, no, that's fine. <laughs> top secret, but... Uh, yeah, it was definitely a passion project and something I'm really looking forward to seeing it kind of unfold. Um, I've been working with it for a very long time, so <laughs> it'll be interesting to see uh, how what other people think of it, too. Are you having to pick up and learn new things with it? Or did you learn like TV production and film production, like the full nine yards, like from like 
writing it out, planning the shots, editing it after, and all that stuff? Uh, in journalism school, they offered up a documentary class so we kind of went over you know pre-production production post-production um and the class was great like I learned so much in it and it was really really inspiring and I was thinking oh geez like maybe I should go to film school now <laughs> because I I'm just so fascinated by this um but at the end of the day that's only 13 weeks and there's just so much to learn so a lot of it has been trial and error. A lot of it has been talking to people that are actually filmmakers. A lot of it's been reading and a lot of it's been just hoping, <laughs> hoping for the best and just kind of working with intuition and other things that I've learned. Like I've taken photography classes and know how to structure a story. Like that's kind of what I'm all about. So using kind of the story to guide me and learning and flubbing with the technical aspects along the way. Um, what brought, when you were done your whole education, everything, what brought you back to Regina then? What brought me, well, um, what brought me back to Regina? Okay, I mean, I was offered a job and the job was in Regina and I had known that I was going to be going away to shoot this documentary. So I, the goal was to kind of get a job hopefully somewhere that I liked and wanted to work and save up money to go and do that because you know it's not it's not cheap to fly um uh, you know to West Africa and shoot a, something so um I think that and then I was offered a job with the CBC a place that I had always wanted to work too so things just couldn't have worked out better um I didn't necessarily know if I would have plan to stay in Regina immediately after and if I hadn't gotten offered the job who's to say what could have happened right but it was just kind of uh, the way that things lined up and things worked out really well and I was able to still travel and leave and come back and leave and come back so yeah it's, it's worked out well so far uh, who's to say what will happen any hairy stuff happened to you ever in your travels where you're like, what did I get myself into? Uh, mm. Like you had mentioned the language barrier at one point, yeah. like, and even traveling through Africa, like there's nothing but negativity brought up about that. And like certain countries, you just don't go near them and things like that. So like, where has everything been pretty? Uh, you know, it's mostly been smooth sailing for me. Um, I, I'm pretty nerdy. I do tons of research before I go places. I talk to people about what it's like uh, and I read about and learn about how to be a good traveler. Uh, I think the more that you travel, the more you learn. Um, and you can kind of tell, right? Most people that are coming back with negative, I can't speak for everyone, but lots of times negative situations you can kind of avoid those by not getting yourself into them or not going where you shouldn't go or, you know, being respectful or things like that. I mean, everything's not always going to be perfect, but I haven't had any situations that made me feel like, oh, I'm never coming back here. Or I'm never going to do this again or anything like that. Like, everything is just kind of a learning experience. You just got to go with the flow uh, when you're traveling and living out of a backpack for months at a time. You just got to be super easygoing and take everything with kind of a grain of salt. Like, those are all super cliche things to say, but they're true. Like, you just got to kind of roll with the punches if I can add in another. <laughs> <laughs> Let's throw them all in yeah, there right now. Yeah. 
No, that's super cool. Um, well, we're pushing up on an hour. Um, if someone's looking to get into journalism now, mm-hmm. is it like just because everything's changing on a mm-hmm. daily basis? Do kids even now take the same path that you would have taken, or? Um, I, I that's hard to say. Um, they certainly could, and I would, I would a hundred percent recommend it. I mean, there, there are some things that you learn. Uh, at school and with an official program that it would just be you could definitely learn them on your own but that's kind of an easy way to do it Uh, but there are lots of people that just decide that they want to get into it and so they they start learning uh, and figuring out the world of freelancing which is totally possible too there are journalists in Regina that uh, just freelance for a living or maybe they've got side jobs but you can kind of take whatever path you think might work for you. Uh, Whatever you do, it's going to be a lot of hard work uh, as with anything that you might be passionate about, right? And it's a lot of learning and lots of trial and error and a lot of producing work and then looking back on it two years later and being like, what the hell was I thinking? Like, why did I think that was good? Um, And things like that. So yeah, you know, if people want to get into journalism today, for sure they can go through the university or go to, you know, if they want to be an anchor or something like that, there's still broadcast colleges that exist uh, and they can do that and that would be great. But if they want to, you know, learn everything from, you know, the internet and books and other people, I, that will definitely work too. So I think it's just whatever's the right fit for the, the person. And if they're willing to stick with it and not give up, uh, either or would work. Was it a rude awakening getting into it? Like, I know I was happy-go-lucky and went to university and it's like, oh, yeah, I can write a paper. And then my first paper comes back and it's like 30% and they wasted like. And it's like, is it kind of startling where like, I'm assuming you go and you're like, I think I know what I'm doing. And then to actually like craft a story, have proper grammar. Although I feel like grammar is kind of dying these days, but. Uh, don't say that either. I, I'm a firm believer in good grammar. Um, yeah, I think that one thing about journalism is what by the time, if you were to take the traditional method and go through a, a university, um, and maybe I shouldn't call that the traditional method because there's been journalists throughout, for, well, journalists forever who didn't ever go to school, and you don't have to. Um But you've already taken so many university courses and things like that by the time you actually get into the journalism program, at least here in Regina, that that necessarily wasn't so scary. But feeling like you knew how to tell stories or you knew how to set up a script or that you knew how to write uh, a lead, for example, like the first sentence in a news story and thinking that, like, I thought that I knew what I was doing and... um, I wouldn't call it a rude awakening. I would call it kind of a helpful awakening, <laughs> just like very <laughs> constructive feedback. Um, uh, I was lucky at my school. Everything was kind of more of a, like a conversation about why things work and why things don't work and, you know, kind of tips and tricks and things like that. Um, I definitely went in uh, with less experience than some of my classmates, like other people, or not all of them, but some people had been journalists, they had worked for other media outlets, or they had at the very least worked for some college newspaper, their hometown newspaper, things like that. I was more so going in with the idea that I wanted to be 
I wanted to travel, I wanted to write, I really liked Hunter S. Thompson, and was inspired by journalism and things like, you know, Watergate and things like that. So I, I was very idealistic, um, but less technical in what I knew going Watergate's in. Watergate's speaking before my... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. the first president I remember is Nixon, so... Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a big bookworm, love to read, so... Um, just got really inspired by everything that had happened in the past, but wasn't necessarily reading newspapers and saying like, oh, how how did they set this up? I was just kind of, you know, working with intuition and I learned a lot. (laughs) Is that bordering on like history kind of buff for certain parts of things or? Um, I, I would not call myself a history buff. I'm very fascinated by all parts of history, but I don't think that, uh, I'm by no means a specialist in anything. I just, um, love to read and learn about anything and everything that comes my way or that I seek out. Uh, but I would not call myself a history buff just because I don't think I have enough knowledge. <laughs> well, there's the other end, which is the conspiracy theorists. Which are... That's true. I, I'm <laughs> definitely not one of those. Um, but I, I'd find it fascinating to talk to some. So <laughs> if you know any, send them my way. <laughs> I sadly don't know any flat earthers around here right now. But stuff like that's a little bit terrifying, too. That. Because there's that guy in California, you have a doubt, or did you read about him, that he wants to build his own rocket? I didn't see that, no. Um, I can't remember if he's a former stuntman or something, but he's like literally building a rocket because he wants, he doesn't believe NASA at all. He wants to build a big enough rocket to shoot himself up into the air and take pictures of the flat earth. I, I don't know how well that plan could be executed. Uh, I guess we'll find out. I know, like it's... It's hilarious because it's the internet, so they're going to grasp to stuff like this, and it's sensationalist, too. And yeah, so like already he's been told that they will never zone him in public to set this thing off, so it's just like, so now he's building this rocket on his front lawn, and it's like, it's the craziest thing in the world, but... Yeah, it's it's interesting you mentioned the internet and people holding on to things, but the concept of things going viral um, has been... It's really interesting, not even as a journalist, but just as a person to watch um, all everything, all these things that are getting like 30 seconds or a day of fame, the and then everyone's moving fame, yeah. on to the next thing. So nothing's, not much of those are sticking with people. Do we even get 15 minutes of fame anymore? Or is it all clips now? Just sound bites. Yeah. <laughs> sound bites of fame. <laughs> Uh, and the people care more about a Cardassian than they do about what's going on in the world? Not everyone. And, uh, yeah, it's, I think that lots of people just teach their own right. People are going to choose what they want to care about or read about. Uh, and that's just the way it goes. And just as, as a journalist, it makes it challenging because you find ways to try and engage with everybody and think of oh, you know, how can I write or illustrate something that will make someone who might not care about this, but if they see a a headline or they read the first sentence, they might think, oh, I might want to learn something or know something more about this. So kind of see people that maybe might not be interested is almost a, a challenge to get them to become interested or at least pique their curiosity. Are you ever staggered by kind of some of the things that either do or don't stick? Um... You know, I try, I'm just 
I'm just an observer. So, you know, I'm just watching what happens uh, without really having any, like, attachments or opinions about it. I'm not... I'm just putting stories out there, you know what I mean? And whether or not people to choose to pay attention or to listen to them or to digest them or, you know, ignore them. (laughs) It's out of my hands. Yeah, fair enough. No, I could see, though, like maybe starting out you're you've been in this long enough but i don't know if someone starting out would be like i'm going to write this story and it's going to captivate the world and everyone's going to love it and retweet it and everything and then it's just kind of like yeah yeah i try to focus more so on especially if it's stories about you know people or something about how you know maybe the world isn't tweeting about it but it might really affect like that small community or that small neighborhood or you know that certain group of people and try and think about it that way as opposed to you know how am I going to make this go viral on Twitter like obviously you want your stories to have reach and obviously you want as many people to possibly see or to see it as possible but at the end of the day you know just because something's getting shared doesn't even mean that people are clicking on it and reading and engaging with it like some things you'll see that spread like wildfire just because you know it's got a crazy 12 second grainy video of you know a fire blazing across the road or like things like that so uh i think it's important to be careful with what's being shared and what people are actually engaging with and kind of looking at it that way um or you know how how long is someone reading my story or are they <laughs> scrolling to the bottom of it and, you know, reading it all rather than just, you know, clicking like on something because they like the photo, um, which is, you know, if you like a photo, sure, like it. Um, but how far is someone engaging with the story rather than are they just, you know, sharing it or clicking I on guess, it? I guess, yeah, it's like we keep coming back to Facebook sadly but like there's the headlines and then how many actually go in deeper and read a little bit and then how far are they actually are they just reading it for what they want out of it Mm -hmm. and things like that yeah well in some of the comments you'll I've seen on I can't like remember specific examples but I've definitely uh some people have asked questions in the comments you can tell that it's based on the headline but they haven't actually gone in to read the story because that question is answered in the story so they skimmed it (laughs) yeah they they took a quick glance so things like that you know you can't you can't let that bother you it's just the reality and you know thinking of even when I used to read the newspapers and would be flipping through that I wouldn't read it cover to cover you know every story word for word um so yeah you just gotta kind of go with it and hope that you know people are engaging and reading and learn hopefully learning something from your stories or thinking about it um yeah that's all you can do i guess have you ever because i like that you brought up a comment section because that's another area that i kind of find interesting underneath a story then it'll turn into like a flame war underneath there and like have you ever like put out something that like you fact check and you do all the research, everything, you put it out, and then there's people who flat out either insult you, deny you, like... Oh, does yeah. Does that happen a lot, or is it just... Yeah, well, I think that um, because the internet is a fickle thing and people can be anonymous on it, so, you know, trolls trolls exist everywhere, uh, whether it's video games or on the internet or on in the news comments or whatever. Um, they're definitely there. Um, 
you know, I get called biased by all sorts of people. Uh, I've been told on, on the same news article, um, some people in the comments had said that I had like a liberal agenda and then someone else said I had a conservative agenda and then I don't like all these weird things like people literally contradicting whatever the so-called agenda that I had was in the comments. Um, so yeah, there's if you do a story about something that's controversial and people can, you know, respond uh, and share their thoughts very quickly, immediately through a screen or a keyboard, those comments are going to happen. They're likely going to be on every story that you know, makes people feel a bit heated on the inside. So it's just that it's the reality of it. You know, back in the day, people had to write letters to the editors, I guess. And so there was a bit, maybe perhaps a bit of a longer, um, or, you know, instant gratification of saying something (laughs) right back to you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of, you just got to find humor in it. Um, because yeah, there, and there are people that will, like attack the individual, the reporter, the journalist, uh, because they didn't agree with the story. They didn't like a story that they did. Uh, and yeah, unfortunately, that's just the reality of it. So you just have to deal with it, I guess. Do you get it a lot though? Like, are they like? Because you had mentioned being called like a leftist or a liberal. Like, those seem to be the new terms. Like, if they hate you and think you're a right on the right, they'll call you a right wing nut. Or the, in the middle, they'll call you a liberal. If you defend Trudeau, you're a liberal nut. And now they're on the left. There seems to be the socialist nut or the social justice warrior type thing. Yeah, I I think that people are always going to accuse people of being biased if they are talking about something that they don't agree with. Um, lots of times I'll see those terms being used to maybe people that I interview in my stories or things like that. Um, it's hard to say. There's all sorts of strange and interesting comments that appear in the comment section. I, I feel like you're being tremendously nice to them right now. <laughs> well, I, maybe I'm just I'm just so used to it. I don't know. Really? Um, Is it that occurring? Hey. Yeah, and it well, and it's just because it. I think it happens on everybody's, everybody's work. Like it doesn't matter what outlet you are, or even it, you see people, say Uncle Jerry, for example, shares an article, and you'll see people like attacking him or something like that uh, in his comment section. So I feel like that's just the way that the internet is working these days. Is everybody. It's a free-for-all in the comment section, um, unfortunately, perhaps. I know I've seen some other people that do stuff like that. They don't even, like, they write, they put their piece up and they won't even go near the comments mm-hmm. anymore just because it has such a negative notoriety to it. But being part of the news, do you feel obligated to follow it back up or? Um like follow up with the commenters yeah like go like back you, and check in on it like, or yeah because you put a lot of work into making a story like i'm sure i'd want to hear feedback on it but mm-hmm. then if it turns into a troll den like uh i don't i wouldn't say i actively go back and look on every story uh, i've had something that might be a bit you know, beyond the cat in the tree story. Uh, <laughs> uh, I might take a peek at it just to see, but I, I mean, I'm not going to engage with those people. I, to be honest, it, I don't know. There's just, there wouldn't be a point in it. Um, I, you know, 
sometimes would check and make sure there's nothing like slanderous or, or libelous, I guess, on there. Um, but yeah, I'm not actively going back and looking. It's just something that you see. I mean, you scroll up. I, I wake up and I'm checking my Facebook feed too, and that's, those are the things that will pop up there. So it's something that you notice, but I wouldn't say I'm actively seeking it out. Um, has your role brought any, it's a funny word to bring up in a job, but any like local fame or anything? Oh God, I, no, I don't, I try and stay away from that. Like I'm not trying, I like to make it more about, um, the people that I'm talking about or the stories that I'm doing, uh, whatever character, even if it's a place, uh, or what have you, um, I'm not looking to be any like I'm not looking for fame or whatever that might be um I just kind of like to let my stories do the talking I let my the people I get to meet do the talking let my work do the talking so uh if there are some people that like what I do and they enjoy reading my stories or following them like I think that's amazing and great um and I'd love to get feedback from those people but I'm not out there trying to become like a local celeb on the streets of Regina or anything like that. <laughs> That'd be a hard task. <laughs> right on. Um, I totally appreciate you coming out and talking to me. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. I guess it's warmed up a little bit. It, it, I was amazed at how I had bundled up and I was prepared to brace the... I didn't leave my house this morning, so I, oh. I was getting ready to brace <laughs> the minus 35 or whatever, wondering if my car would start because I was running late and then I was hit but I think it was warmer outside than it was in my apartment my radiators weren't running this morning so it was a bit frigid in there but yeah it was a pleasant surprise right on um I appreciate you coming out I like I said before we started I love hearing kind of the successes and where people have gone since I've interacted with them earlier in life um yeah it's super cool um thanks for coming out hopefully we can catch up again another time yeah thanks a lot